In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
Glory be to God on high. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 18th Sunday after Trinity is written in the fifth book of Moses, known as Deuteronomy, chapter 10. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. 
Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God, who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise the Lord, all nations. 
extol him all peoples. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Hearing that Jesus had sat, silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord... How can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Christ.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. It's hard to pick a favorite when there are so many good choices. I mean, how can, how can one possibly choose a, a favorite color, favorite food, favorite hymn, favorite child? When every single one is, is great in its own way. When the Pharisees came to Jesus one final time on the Tuesday of Holy Week, they weren't really asking him to pick a favorite, but I think the question was just as challenging. Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? How do you choose? But just like with their other questions that they had asked earlier, Jesus is not baffled, not taken aback by their question. Jesus knows which is the greatest in more ways than one. I'm not exactly sure what the Pharisees were hoping Jesus would say. It does tell us that they were testing him, though it doesn't exactly say how. Were they trying to get him to say that some of God's laws weren't important? If one is the greatest, then perhaps the others are, are worth skipping over. Or they were just hoping that he would take sides with some of them and against others. We do know that the Jewish leaders and the rabbis were very interested in analyzing the law. They had it figured out. They, were, they had counted them up. 613 individual laws in the Old Testament. There were 365 prohibitions and 248 commands. And they were known to debate and to rank these in order of importance. It was an answer that no one really could give with any certainty. And so they come to Jesus, the answer man, to see if he's really as good as people are saying. Which is the greatest commandment, Jesus? Jesus answers easily. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Though Jesus quickly makes it clear that, that it's not that the rest of the individual commands of God are, are unimportant. Instead, these two commands, he says, they encompass all the other commands in the whole law. When Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That means if you could keep these two, you keep all of it. But if you can't keep these two, then you haven't really kept any of it. There are some ways in which we are just like the Pharisees. For we too will like to divide up God's law and pick out certain ones and put them into our own categories of greatness. For we know that there are some things in life that are really bad, gross and wicked sins, things that other people do, things that we would be horrified to be found out doing, that we would never knowingly do, things that if we did fall into them, our consciences would trouble us sorely and we would seek God's forgiveness for sure. But then there are other things that we're pretty sure God is happy with us for. 
that I love my kids and I try to be good and I try to come to church and I do nice things for people. And then there's this third category of our lives where we, we sort of think that God's law doesn't address and is therefore none of God's business. All the little decisions that we make from day to day about, the, say, the way I use my time or the things I say with my friends or what I do with my own money or my body. And in our minds, at least, we divide it up and we think that, well, God must be angry. He would be angry about the big bad stuff and he must be happy about the good stuff that I do and the rest is all sort of neutral ground. None of his business. But Jesus knows what is the greatest commandment. And that the greatest commandment is not one out of many, but it's the whole thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your minds. My friends, there is no part of your life that is not God's business. There's no part of your life that does not fall under love the Lord your God. Every inclination of your heart, every desire of your soul, every thought that goes through your mind is either out of love for God or it is not. It's easy for us to say or to sing, Thee will I love with all my heart but quite another thing to do it. And if you need proof, I think the second greatest commandment shows us just how hard it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keeping in mind, of course, that your neighbor is not just the guy who is on the other side of the property line, but everyone near to you. That's your spouse, your classmate, your co-worker, your boss, your brother, your sister, your fellow citizen. Really could be any other person on this planet whom your actions, your words, even your prayers or lack thereof affect. That means that your neighbor might be your enemy. It means your neighbor might be an unborn child or, or a person that you'll never even meet. The greatest law for us is love. Love for God and love for your neighbor. Jesus says that the second is like the first. There's no conflict between love for God and love for your neighbor. In fact, when we show love to our neighbor, we are showing love to God who gave him. And it's also a love that doesn't distinguish between the neighbor who deserves our love and those who don't. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I fail to love my neighbor, whomever that might be, I am simply showing that I don't love God enough to love my wife, my kids, my family, my enemies. And everything that I do with my heart, my soul, my mind, Everything I do toward my neighbor, all of it is a reflection of my love for God or as is more often the case, my lack of it. 
I don't know how much of this overwhelming truth the Pharisees caught in Jesus' words. Perhaps they just heard Jesus' words the way we sometimes hear a sermon. The sermon, let's say, was about love, and, and we go away saying, well, well, that was nice. And totally missed the point. Or if we pick up that the preaching of the law accuses the loveless, we might say to ourselves, yeah, that was pretty harsh. I know some people who really needed to hear that. We hear Jesus correctly when he preaches love your, the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself when we come away as convicted, guilty sinners who have not loved God perfectly. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. If we hear Jesus correctly, I think we would do what, what Adam and Eve tried to do in the Garden of Eden. Try to hide behind fig leaves. Try to get away. Perhaps some of the Pharisees did get that point. Maybe they would have liked to quietly slip away from Jesus back into the crowd and just go home when Jesus pointed this out. But Jesus would not let them. It says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? This was also an easy answer. Everyone who knew the Old Testament knew that the Messiah was to be a descendant of King David. But Jesus showed them from the inspired scriptures that, that King David referred to the Messiah as his Lord. That is, the Christ was to be both God, David's Lord, and man, David's son. Why does he ask the question? The Pharisees and the Sadducees both had been, had been bothering Jesus all day with one trick question after another. I would have been tired talking to them. I would have let them go. Why the Christological question? Perhaps it was that Jesus might point out to the Pharisees something more important, something even greater. They had asked him all kinds of questions. Now it's his turn, his turn to ask a question that was even more important than all the others, even more important than the most important, the first and the greatest commandment. He asks them, what about the Christ? Whose son is he? The answer being, he's David's son and David's Lord. The Messiah is the son of God. Is God himself. But why, why in the world would God send his son? to the world? Is it because the world is full of such loving people? Because they, because they really love God? Even some of them? Because they really love their neighbor? Even some of the time? No. Here's the greatest thing. 
that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world did not love God, but God loved the world in David's Lord. So in Advent, we learn to sing, love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me, your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty, oh, love beyond all telling that led you to embrace in love, all loves excelling our lost and fallen race. David's Lord was also David's son. And because he was, because Jesus was also true man, that means that he was born under the law. Born under the law in its entirety to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in love, he and he alone did exactly that. David's Lord, David's son, came down to us in love. David's son, the man, Christ Jesus, lived among us in love. So, before you go home from this sermon on the greatest commandment, you also want to think about the Christ. Who is he? David's son and David's Lord. Who did the greatest thing ever? That is, he took all of your unloving words, actions, thoughts, emotions, everything that runs through your mind and your heart and your will, from the greatest to the least, took all of that and he replaced it with his perfect love. So that now when you turn to your neighbor, what you have to offer them is not your love, it's not your trying to love them, but it's his love, Jesus' love. And when you come to stand before God, to stand, you stand not with your own love and obedience on your account, but the love of David's son and David's Lord, who loved you, who loved for you, and thanks be to God, now loves in you and through you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God.
let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God of Israel, we give you thanks for Jesus Christ, David's Son and Lord, on whom hangs all the law and the prophets. Reconciled to you by his righteousness, lead us as disciples to make a godly beginning in the love of you and our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, give peace, O Lord, to those who wait for you, and let your preachers be proven faithful. Preserve your church and let all Christians be glad to enter into the house of the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, Bless the homes of your people, O Lord, that husband and wife may honor their vows of love and fidelity to each other. Unite parents and children in love and affection, that their lives together may be examples to the world of your goodness and love. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, graciously uphold our president and those in high positions of authority. Guard them from every evil. Keep them from using their power for selfish gain that they would serve for the common welfare of all. Lord, in your mercy. Eternal Father, our Lord Jesus Christ is seated at your right hand, even now subjecting every enemy under his feet. Give this, this certain confidence to us and to all your saints in this veil of tears, to the needy, the joyful, and the expectant. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you are our praise, you are our God. You do great and marvelous things, both seen and unseen. Establish your saints through the mystery of Christ's blessed sacrament, which delivers the forgiveness of our sins. Strengthen us by his body and blood in right fear and love of you, and in selfish love and service toward our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Father, your Son is the resurrection and the life, in whom all the dead will rise, and through whom your elect will live eternally in your presence. Give comfort to all who mourn, that they might not grieve as those who have no hope, but as those whose hope is the crucified and risen one. Lord, in your mercy. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him, with him, and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
upon us the grace of your Holy Spirit, and through your holy word be pleased to bless and sanctify these your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be the body and the blood of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take heed, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty with these your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. You may be seated for the closing hymn. The Sunday school will sing stanzas one, two, five, and six. The congregation will sing stanzas three and four. <laughs> 